if I was just a guy yeah. saying these things? Am I a Christian? Yeah, gosh, that's like a heavy question. Um, I've always wanted to ask somebody that. It doesn't seem you are. It doesn't seem you are as a as the Bible would define a Christian. Right? Don't. And welcome to Growing Up Christian. I'm Casey. And I'm Sam. And we're happy to talk to you today. Um, we had a we got an interesting episode for you. It's <laughs> I, th- I think some of you are are probably gonna you're gonna have a hard time with this one. And some of you might just be like, ah, eh, I'm out <laughs> at like the 15 minute. You know, we'll just have to see. Um, I think that's the beauty of podcasts is like, there's no podcast. There's, there's a couple, there's almost no podcast that I listen to like every episode of, you know? Yeah. yeah. I kind of tune in for the ones that I'm interested in. And then, you know, some of, especially like the JRE, there's some of his guests that I'll start in on it. And I'm like, I don't care about this. <laughs> and I'll just quit, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's definitely going to be, uh, I, I, I thought the conversation was a lot of fun, uh, just because that's the kind of stuff that's up my, just up my alley, I guess. Um, but I mean, might as well just do the breakdown of it now. Uh, <laughs> we we talked to uh, Pastor Mike, Pastor Mike Rule, but he um, so he's an evangelical pastor and he's a great guy. We've been he's been messaging with us kind of since we, well since we started the podcast. I've emailed back and forth with him a little bit. Uh, he's listened to every episode. Like he's kind of along for this ride, and I think he's just interested in what people are going through and where they're at, uh, especially because his experience was different. Uh, kind of coming full circle back to being an evangelical pastor. So um, we get into a kind of a lengthy conversation, I would say, about just evangelicalism. I turned into a little bit more of a back and forth than I think maybe we even were originally expecting. Um, and it's weird because we haven't like almost, we haven't really, it's not like we go out of our way to have these arguments and conversations with you. Like we know why we stopped believing in, in these, in certain things. Um, so, but you just kind of like fizzle out of those spaces or if it's like, if it was, you grew up in like your parents' church or whatever, and then you move on. And then that's kind of when you start falling out like this. You don't have to like really have those conversations with people. Maybe they come up with your parents, but it seems like uh, most people's experience is like it just doesn't get talked about. And if it does, they're not having like a, a thoughtful debate about the merits of their beliefs. So I know that's not something I would get into with my family. So like to have someone to have that argument with uh, that kind of represents the belief system that I shed. Um, but but isn't someone who's part of my immediate family or an old pastor or something like that. It's like, makes it a lot easier to have that conversation. So it was fun for me. I found it entertaining, but I, it, it makes it a lot easier for you to be a douche to him. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? I think I, I think I did. All right. Uh, well, I, I, he didn't seem too bothered by the, my approach. No, no. He, 
Pastor Mike was very gracious, I think, because mm. uh, I, th- I feel like we were abrasive at certain points. I think uh, if if you came from this environment like we did, it's uh, there's there's certain things that you know will like kind of trigger a response, uh, regardless of where you hear them. Right? You turn on the news. There's an evangelist on there that's talking about a given subject. Certain keywords and stuff make your hair stand on end. Um, I think that if you're aware of that and you realize that you do that, um, this conversation was probably about as good as it gets in most cases when it comes to you know two parties that fundamentally disagree on pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, you know the the like I said, uh, Mike was really gracious and uh, took the time to kind of flush out some of his ideas about things and and where he sees some of the the issues with you know modern Christian culture. Um, I think if if uh, if uh, you know a, a reasonable, polite conversation can be had about these things, I think this is it. So, I mean, hats off to him. We we really appreciated him coming on and, and, uh, discussing some of this stuff. So yeah, I think, we'll see. Let us know what you yeah, think. Okay. Cause we, we, uh, we do occasionally I say occasionally we do get requests from, from people who are more of that traditional viewpoint and worldview and, and religious leaning that want to come on and talk to us about, you know, their, their view of some of the things that we discuss all the time on the show. And uh, we're still trying to figure out where, you know, what's the best way to handle some of those things? Because, I mean, I I like the idea of being able to hear both sides of the aisle on certain issues and and, uh, just, you know, a conversation. Right. Um, I I like being able to, even having this, you know, I I know a lot of people in my life who are not listening to this uh, simply because they don't care what I have to say about these things. And that's fine. But these are the types of things where it's like, I feel good about being able to put something like this out and say, like, it's kind of something for people to be able to listen to uh, that aren't going to actually tune in to a podcast like this. Like, if you're still part of the evangelical culture, you're just not really outside of Mike, who is actually taken to the show, like most people aren't really just going to look for podcasts. It's about people who fundamentally disagree with everything they believe in and find it entertaining, like uh, the jokes or viewpoint. It's not really for those people. So, but I think this episode is good enough to like be able to, it, it kind of bridges that gap where I would be like, if anyone who I haven't had these conversations with is concerned uh, or interested in knowing where we're coming from or what people in our situation and our shoes are coming from. This is about as good uh, as it's going to get for kind of like a way to peer into that conversation. So I think that felt, I think it just kind of felt a little therapeutic for me to be able to have that conversation, knowing that uh, I think we did it in a way that I'm, I'd be more than happy for people who are like, don't want to have that conversation with me, but are interested in what I think and where I'm coming from. Mostly just out of pure curiosity, it'd be like, just listen to this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Pastor Mike wanted to, uh, to make his email address and stuff available. 
Uh, if there's any of you that want to continue this discussion with him, he's more than happy to talk to you about him. Uh, we would ask that you just be respectful of him. I, I, I know as this goes on, we're going to have guests on once in a while, and, and Mike is not one of these people, but we're going to have guests on once in a while that say controversial things or that have controversial opinions about stuff. Um, just, you know, let's let's just try our best to to keep these conversations respectful and and at a high level. Yeah. So no, no hate mail. <laughs> yes, please. Uh, we'll put we'll put Pastor Mike's uh, email address in the show notes. And so you can contact him, let him know how you feel. If you if you want to continue the discussion, I'm sure he's you know more than happy to do that with you. So um, in other news, we talked a lot on the Discord this week and uh, just in text message streams about a similar conversation that's been going on uh, regarding someone who's not quite as gracious and uh, well-spoken as Pastor Mike. Really disappointed, but... Uh, John Cooper from Skillet seems like a tool. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's God. I really uh, hope this makes its way to him. I don't know at him. I guess I <laughs> uh, maybe don't. Maybe not. Maybe he. We. I would do anything to talk to him. Absolutely anything at this point to have a conversation with him because I think the stuff that he's saying is it's wild for one but it's it's only it's he it's the most preach to the choir kind of nonsense like it to the know, alien youth yeah like what what was it a couple of years ago i remember he put out his whole um like what in god's name is going on with christianity or something like that it was like this long blog piece maybe he did it on like instagram or facebook but i remember getting shared around a good bit uh, and I'm like wow this is really great and he's basically just calling out anyone who's uh progressed in their faith or lost it and he seems to take issue with people changing their mind about things and he finds it so he finds christianity and his evangelical message so clear-cut and obviously true that he's it comes off as arrogant and dismissive of anybody else's personal experience yeah i would say <laughs> i would say that's accurate and uh that so that's what i uh the first thing that i watched with him it was a podcast and it was in regards to that original post I think it was like a year after the fact or something, but he did a podcast with a lady who is, I think she was in Zoe girl. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, so child childers, someone childers, Alyssa childers. Okay. Yeah. It seems like a nice lady, but, uh, the echo chamber effect in that interview is so ridiculous. Just like making statements that are so ridiculous that would never stand up if you were in an audience that wasn't just full of, you know, you're just completely like-minded people right. trying to protect their, uh, their worldview. Yeah. And, uh, there was a lot of, um, you know, bashing people who have quote unquote deconverted or like you said, like change their stance on some of the aspects of the faith and everything. And there was a lot of really interesting things in the interview that made your say got your hackles up but one of them that was funny was uh this Alyssa was saying that 
you know, in these posts, when people, you know, come out as no longer believing in God or being an atheist or whatever, mm-hmm. she said, they always end it the same way. It's always like, be kind, uh, forgive your enemies, blah, 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 blah. You know, this like send off, you know, touchy feely send off. And she's like, the, the, the crazy thing is that, you know, those are all values that they've adopted from Christianity. Like they don't even have like a basis to say those things anymore. Like you don't have a basis to say be kind. Yeah. yeah. Like to forgive the people in your life. It's just so ridiculous to say those things. And, and, you know, when you're in that type of an environment, everybody around you is just going, uh, yeah, I know. Right. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, because we're like we were convinced uh, that the only basis for any form of like moral epistemology is like that you is Christian faith, like that that's it, all the types of all that type of moral being comes exclusively from it, and without it, that you lose any grounding or basis. And I find that fascinating. One because you know there are other faiths that are older than Christianity that have that have messages like that uh i mean judaism being one like every one of them <laughs> yeah like literally every one of them uh, so yeah it's really dismissive uh but that's that bubble of like uh, maybe they've been convinced or i not only want to say convinced but they just so strongly believe that outside of christianity you just lose any moral grounding and i don't understand I mean, you, I do you understand need that to be true. Yeah, I, I understand it a little bit because I remember thinking like that was like the end all be all of like of belief. Like, oh, you can't if you don't have if if you're if you don't believe in God and your baseline is like, who knows? Nothing. It's like they think nothing matters. Like uh, if you can't confidently state the origins of the universe, then you have uh, no real moral high ground that you could just go around raping and killing and it doesn't matter. And you obviously we heard that argument countless times a lot. And it's just like, you know what a good reason is to think that you can find um, your message or your, your, your ethos from something other than the Christian faith is that a, just people who don't have it, don't do those things. And also the people who do have it also, uh, do those things too sometimes and there's a lot of rape and murder and pillaging and uh <laughs> just so much violence done in the name of religion that it's like not really a i don't know uh sound it's like two or three things yeah a couple of times throughout history. and i don't <laughs> think that's a good reason to just like carte blanche i guess dismiss it completely too i'm just saying like no it's something to consider and think about that like when you look at humanity as a whole you don't see a huge difference generally speaking in whether or not people are doing awful things or not based on whether or not they have god right well yeah it was a very irritating interview i haven't finished it yet i will I'm committed at this point, <laughs> but uh, it made me mad because like, like I told you, I have a uh, like butt rock and new metal. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I have an attraction to it, like an affinity for it that I can't get rid of. It's like a kink. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I won't kink shame you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Skillet's definitely in that mix. 
their older <laughs> stuff. I don't know their newer stuff very well, but dude, I listened to uh like Invincible and Alien Youth and Collide until they almost like melted in the CD player back dude, in the day. I don't know anything about. I would hear Skillet maybe on like a youth group trip or something like that, but. I I never took to that kind of music. I, that one missed me pretty hard. Oh, man. I was in it. So my the, even uh, wanting to talk to John, what would be fun about talking to John Cooper is I, it's not even as a fan. Like I'd be talking to, I barely even knew what he looked like. It would just be like, it'd just be a conversation with a, another person as far as I was concerned. This, as affiliation with a wildly successful band means very little to me based on my personal experience with it. Dude, after after listening to that, it was like I couldn't get away from Skillet this week. <laughs> I, if you don't know me, I, I work in car dealerships like all week long. I'm in car dealerships and, and uh, repair shops and stuff like back where the mechanics are and everything. And uh, Skillet is just a staple on every one of those stations. It's butt rock, right? Yeah. It's like every station that has that, that uh, intro that's like, 60 minutes of commercial free nothing but rock yeah. that's that's skillet's bread and butter they're playing like 2001 uh uh disturbed and oh, lincoln yeah. park and then whatever skillet's put out in the last two months you know but we were we were cooking uh we cooked like steaks for one of our customers this week on friday and like 45 steaks so i Damn. definitely like contributed to some acne for sure (laughs) and global uh, warming thanks asshole (laughs) so so we we it's raining this is the time of year in kansas where we get we get a year's worth of rain in three weeks oh really it happens every year yeah like it'll barely rain all year long and then in a course of like one month or a month and a half we'll flood out like crazy yeah this is this week was like the start of it so uh, my partner and I are, are heading up there in this big box truck and we've got a big grill. The grill's like, you know, six foot of cooking space and stuff. And, uh, we, it's just pouring rain the whole time. And we're like, God, what are we going to do in this rain? So we get up there and the guy's like, well, you know, if you want to, you can just grill them in the shop. Like you, you don't mind if we cook inside? No, no, no. Just, you know, open the door and grill them inside. So we set this grill up. And it's, you know, it's used, it gets used a lot. And so they, they start it up and it starts like smoking. Yeah. Right. So we push it outside and we're cooking these baked potatoes, you know, kind of cause they take a long time. It stops smoking. So we push it back in. Well, they put, they start putting the steaks on the grill and I go out to the truck for a minute. And when I come back in, the whole shop is full of smoke. <laughs> Like they had like literal open <laughs> flame on the grill and they had to like spray it down with a water hose because there was so much like grease and stuff down. <laughs> I never clean out my grill. I deal with that every year at the beginning of the year. It's just like, oh my oh, God. It's the worst. <laughs> it's so gross. But yeah, like we cooked there for like three hours and one of the technicians that was close to us, skillet the entire time. What? It was like some sort of skillet anthology playlist, like one of those, uh, the ones they used to sell on TV, like, you know, four cassettes of yeah. Lin- Leonard Skinner. <laughs> Only three payments of twenty nine ninety five. Yeah, dude, I forgot about those. Yeah, 
So I can't get away from the guy. Uh, we would like to talk to if if you as an audience would like to just harass that prick until he agrees to come on the show and and duke it out. <laughs> that'd be that'd be the coolest. <laughs> Just, oh my God, it would be so cool. Dude, it's funny because I, you know, so Alyssa Childers, I, she recently made some waves too. Um, I don't know if it was, I think it was an interview she did with somebody else, but she just talked about all the, the problems of liberal Christianity, which I'm like, and honestly, she was that fun. That sounds fun. Yeah. But what's funny though is, you know, I, I heard her breakdown of it in a shorter clip on uh, on another podcast and um and she was kind of fair like i'm i'm hearing her explanation of liberal christianity and she's saying it as though i mean with a tone of and it like then this is a huge problem like this makes it like worthless kind of tone but i'm hearing her description of it i'm just like yeah no that's exact i mean that's pretty spot on i think there is some like a couple of pot shots thrown in here or there but listening to her explanation of why how liberal Christians maybe look at the Bible or um, how they develop their beliefs and theologies. I was just like, I mean, that's, that is it. So if you can say all that and then think that there's a problem with it, then, like I, then at least you're not, at least it wasn't a misrepresentation. You know, she actually under, seems to understand uh, where these people are coming from on a academic level. Uh, and she just, can't buy into it but i was like that's fine I, I that that is less annoying to me than someone who's like deliberately misrepresenting what's going on in 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 the people who are who have drifted in that direction you know what i mean sure well there's problems with everything you know if you fairly represent the problems and talk about them then you know by all means Right. I I had a conversation like this this week uh, with one of my coworkers. Uh, he's in seminary, so we get get to talking about this kind of stuff all the time, and um, we talked a lot about the Bible as being inerrant because that was such a cornerstone belief in my church and stuff. Right. And uh, it's something we're going to have to elaborate on further in a in an episode or whatever, but. Uh, we're discussing all of the issues with the Bible being an errant and being interpreted literally. And I was just kind of asking him like, why does it need to be inerrant? Like, would that affect the principles that you pull from it? Would it, would it change your faith? If you thought, if you like came under the belief that maybe the Bible, while it is God's word, Maybe it hasn't been interpreted completely perfectly over the years. Maybe some things aren't to be taken literally. They're just, you know, all the same things, guy living in a fish and all that. Right. Um, and the the answer just kept, I mean, that he kept throwing out was basically like, you know, everybody needs a foundational belief. Like everybody needs like a cornerstone of truth in their life if they're going to, I don't, I don't even know. I mean, I guess just to an anchor point. Right. You know, and, and we kind of went round and round. I don't think either one of us really saw what the other person was trying to say. But uh, yeah, it, it is funny how those are just like constant talking points, constantly debated things, because there's real problems with interpreting the Bible literally. 
there's oh, real yeah. problems with saying like this is the inerrant word of God and everything in it is true. Like there's some really problematic stuff in there by today's standards. Yeah. And that's hard to write off as well, it was a different time, you know, kids got married when they were 12. It's hard to do that when you're talking about uh, a God that's supposed to never change, that's supposed to be perfect. Right. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, we get into some of that stuff with, with Mike coming up. So I think that is kind of a, but that, that yeah, that, the problem with, with some of the with some of the things in, in the Bible that are it's always those things that kind of are, are what trigger it for people, I think, is just like trying to reconcile how it could be when we were told that it's inerrant and perfect and and then you read through the problematic aspects of it and, and you're told like, well, you know, that was that was for a certain time and place. It's like, yeah, but that doesn't like I've I was always told morality doesn't change. Like it's not like it was okay then and bad now. Like it it hasn't been that long. The time span hasn't been that long, which I think is honestly a pretty good argument for, I don't know. I guess it's, it, we should get into this a different time because it's, we got to kind of close out here and jump into our, our conversation with Mike. But, you know, when you look at people who, who have, who say like, if you don't believe in a God, then you don't, then you're just kind of making it up as you go. You don't have a, any baseline, but it's like, if you believe in, in what you're reading in the Bible too, you still kind of do have you, the requirement is still the same. We're still required to, to dig through what's in this book and figure out what sticks and what doesn't for today. And that's, that's the exact same thing. We're just, you know, uh, someone like me would just be trying to work through that by reading this literature and seeing kind of how and kind of seeing the themes of what people wrestled with uh in their understanding of god over a lengthy period of time but if you don't have that that grounding and your conversation isn't based around that book and those writings then you're just you're just moving the conversation to different things you maybe you get into your some of your philosophers and your um or your some of the, maybe you're gravitated towards certain poets, but humans, the requirement is the same for all of us, which is like figuring out what that looks like. Cause just if God doesn't exist and we're still saying 2000 years ago, having slaves and treating women like property was wrong, even though nobody thought so at that time, except for maybe women and slaves, <laughs> they might've been like, this is not great, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> but like, everyone's just, yeah, this is the way it is. And it took it, it took society and progressing. It took social evolution. It took a lot. And God or not, like the responsibility and the requirements have been the same on every individual since the beginning of time, which is to work out what the fuck it means to be a good, like a person in this world and, and how to make it better. And there are always people who are pushing back against that. I, I can still use a Christian narrative um, and, and grounding my conversations around a biblical narrative and, and to work towards that. And I, I prefer that, but it's like the, re the responsibility on all of us is still to do that, to figure out how to have these conversations as a, as a whole, as a community, as a country and, and figure out where to go. And I don't know, I don't, I don't really know how to break that down anymore other than I think saying that God and the Bible to get to that is, it's just a, 
a poor suggestion given what you have to sift through and work through in order to come to certain conclusions. Well, this is definitely something that we need to talk more in yeah. depth about in an episode coming up. But uh, yeah, before we uh, before we send you off here, um, again, if you haven't joined the Discord, jump on there. It's uh, it's getting getting to be a lot of fun. We got a, quite a few people in there now. I wanted to give a couple of shout outs from the Discord. So last week we mentioned our our buddy Motark. His wife uh, released a book called The Last Apothecary. Uh, as of a couple of days ago, it was number seven on New York Times bestseller list. So congratulations to her. And yeah, that's awesome. And definitely check that out on Amazon and everywhere else that you find books. Also, uh, our friend Sarah started a, an Instagram page called Deconstructing Purity Culture. And it's, it's a good follow. Uh, she's she's talking a lot about some of the common tropes of purity culture, things that a lot of us went through, but specifically if you're a woman, I, I think that this stuff will resonate with you and she's got some great perspectives on it. So um, follow her on Instagram at deconstructing purity culture. So yeah. Um, other than that, we got some great guests coming up. Uh, we're, we're sitting on like several episodes that we've recorded now and we've kind of, you know, uh, journalists, um, prominent, you know, speakers about Christianity, atheism, religion in general, uh, some, you know, personal friends that have interesting stories. I, we got some cool stuff coming up that I think you're going to like something a little bit for everybody. Yeah. So yeah. Um, thanks for listening. If you could, Leave us a, a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. That'd be great. And uh, share with your friends. If you got somebody that you think would benefit from listening to this, we would greatly appreciate the share. Thanks to everybody who's messaged us too on uh, Instagram and wherever, you know, telling us the, you know, some of the things that, that have gone on in their lives and stuff. Uh, all that being said, man, enjoy our conversation with Pastor Mike. All right, we're back with uh, Pastor Mike Rule, pastor of a church in northern New Jersey, working on his doctorate, and uh, also has pretty great beard of beard Thank envy. You. We were talking about how like you can't uh, you can't actually pastor a mega church anymore if you don't have a beard, and that's why I had to leave the ministry. <laughs> yeah, because he's a baby yeah, faced. Boy. You do have quite a smooth face going on there. It's it's good. I do. But thank you I can for that. Grow like the uh, the Toki War Tooth, you know, like <laughs> the, the two little catfish strings. I think I could grow those. Do you ever try the soul patch? I mean, that could be an option for you as well. I've tried a few different things. Like whenever we go on vacation, I usually like I'll stop shaving at least like my mustache, and. Uh, <laughs> When when my wife refuses to have sex with me, I have to <laughs> shave it. She's very anti-mustache. They're so trendy now, though. I know. I just want to they be are. cool. They are. Yeah, the cheesier and more 70s-ish they are, the better. Absolutely. <laughs> so, everyone, we got talking to Mike um, through, actually through our Instagram when we started when we kind of first started getting this thing going, we've been going back and forth a little bit ever since. Then we started, you know, emailing back and forth. Um, and 
just kind of, we were interested in talking to Mike because he was, you know, we, we don't have a whole lot of evangelicals listening to this podcast. I know of a couple that are doing it for research, um, but generally not, that's not our audience. I mean, even if it's still people within the, who, who still maintain the version of the Christian faith, most won't consider themselves evangelicals. So his, his interest in his um, engagement was, was interest uh, of interest to us. Um, you know, so he, he's, He's kind of trying to see what's going on with people who have maybe been burnt by it or whatever. So he's he, he's keeping his um, keeping stuff like this on his radar, but he's also just interested in having you know good conversations. So you know we yeah, thought we definitely. would take it take some time to hear from him, hear his story because he he kind of left it for a bit and came back. And while many of us are, are leaving it, um, something struck a chord with him and just being an easy guy to talk to who's just kind of open the conversation. We thought this would be a fun person to have the conversation with and maybe get into some of the issues and nuances of uh, evangelicalism and what, what he likes about it, what he doesn't. And um, maybe, you know, the different things that we've experienced through at KCI and as um, you know, what we know our listeners have too, but um, maybe just to get us started, Mike, why don't you give us your, your, your backstory, a little snapshot of your life and um, kind of how you got to where you are now. Yeah, no. And, and thanks so much guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I was um, your, your podcast title just kind of grabbed me immediately because I, I just resonate with the title of growing up Christian. Cause that was me. Um, my dad, uh, when my parents were married, was not a believer and became a believer when I was like 10 or so. And then so things swung very, very quickly in our house. And I was the oldest of three. So, um, you know, church became a huge part of our lives immediately. It was that that quintessential, just like a lot of your other guests that you have on, like, I, I did everything, you know, I was there every single time the doors were open. I did the VBS thing and every single youth group and vacation Bible school, youth retreat, throw the stick in the fire, you know, rededicate your life to Christ six times <laughs> a year and, you know, all of that stuff. And, you know, I, I, I was thankful for that environment, but I kind of walked away from that environment just thinking like, that was it. Like, like this is the sum total of Christianity was this, this church, churchy bubble, you know, where we spoke a certain language and we all kind of, cause you know, I went to a huge public high school and, I was not cool. But then in, in youth group, like I was the cool kid in youth group, which I'm not sure what that says for the rest of the members of youth group. If I was actually the cool kid, but homeschoolers, so it was, yeah, but they, homeschool were, they all, yeah, I'm older than you guys though. So homeschoolers back when, back in the eighties got, that was, they were weird. They were like, why would anybody do that? And so there was only like two or three kids in the whole church that were homeschooled and they were by far the weirdest kids. And so now yeah. it's like, it seems like with co-ops and everything else, it's a whole different, whole different ball game. Yeah. But it yeah, seems so like it's shifted a good bit from what it, I mean, I'm actually, I'm in the middle of reading something about, you know, the, um, when, why homeschooling kind of took off and became a thing. And that definitely attracted a certain type of people with certain, ideologies and of course they're still prevalent amongst homeschoolers as a homeschooler it's mostly just you know let's take the kids out of public school and give them a good christian education but there was uh yeah. i mean there's plenty of good 
plenty of weirdos, but there's also, you know, it, it, there are as much as I'll joke on it because it's just funny uh, to do. But yeah, there, there's plenty of regular, uh, regular people. And now it's getting big amongst people who aren't even religious. It's just like if you live in an area where they don't like the school district, parents are like, I think I can do this better. Right. You just basically right. like summarize the whole book is like, uh, you're not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely uh, evolved over the last 20 or 30 years for sure. But yeah, so I, I um, make a long story short, you know, in in my 20s, I uh, wasn't didn't have the the church in my life anymore. You know, I, I got married pretty early and uh, my wife and I both came from kind of that same background of just church kids. And when we didn't have somebody telling us that we had to get up and go to church every Sunday or go to Wednesday night Bible study or whatever the heck it was, uh, we didn't do it. And so I had this kind of re- revelation like, wow, you mean Sunday's just like another day of the weekend? Like there's a bonus day that we can do stuff with? And it was it just blew my mind. And so we uh, we definitely were away from the church. I, I kind of like to say that I was an ex-evangelical you know, before it was cool because I was <laughs> running away from the church, you know, on a mission and, and, you know, obviously did those things that I was a musician. And so I played in clubs and bars up and down the East coast and did everything that you would expect somebody to do, you know, lived a very sinful lifestyle for over a decade. And, um, you know, eventually, um, started having kids and realized like, wow, um, I don't really have a morality system right now. And what the heck am I supposed to teach my kids? You know, parenting kind of has a way of kind of snapping you around. Like I'm responsible for these children's lives. Like what am I, (laughs) what am I supposed to be doing with that? And so it kind of gave me uh, the initial uh, inklings to come back and and think about that even a little more, but I knew what was there. Like, and and I was reacting to that culture. I was kind of like, well, I don't want to go back to that. You know, I don't want to go back to that bubble. I don't want to go back to that language. I don't want to go back to like, you know, all of that stuff that I was kind of running away from. And so I was really fighting it. Um, and uh, I think what actually happened was uh, when 9-11 happened, um, it kind of snapped me out of that mentality. And, and frankly, it was like, it just was, I was living a very selfish life and, 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 I knew now that everything in this life was temporary. I mean, I still think about that. Like 3,000 people went to work that day. I'm a Burden County kid of New Jersey. And so I stared at those Twin Towers like my whole life. And to see them fall down, it's like something that was never, ever going to go away went away. And then all those people died. And it's like, there's, there's got to be something going on here. And so I kind of ran back to God with everything that I was running away from God with. But I did it not by embracing the church. I did it really on my own spiritual quest, so to speak, in reading God's word and diving into, I'm like, all right, God, who do you say you are? Like, forget who the church says you are for a minute. Like, who do you say that you are? And that's what led me to discover that, wow, maybe a lot of things in my background in church culture wasn't actually what the Bible actually says about some of these things. And some of that was really jacked up. Yeah. So I, go ahead, Casey. Like, uh, like I kind of glanced over some of the emails that you guys had changed and stuff. And um, 
it sounds like you're not particularly proud of that time in your life uh, when you were in New York and parts of that. Like what what aspect of that was uh, is something that that troubles you now? You mean uh, like my church background or you mean like. No, like when you when you left the church when you went, you kind of refer to that as almost like uh, going astray. Like you went and did yeah. uh, lived a different lifestyle. What what about that lifestyle was made you feel? Did it make you feel shameful, or did it just you didn't like where it took you? Or well, you know, it's kind of that. It's a little, it's a little of both, right? Because it's fun, right? I mean, let's face it: getting drunk and trying to sleep around and all of that stuff is fun for a season. And there were years where I was like this is the greatest thing ever. Like the church has, you know, you're trying to keep kids from doing this in youth group. And now I know why you're trying to keep kids from doing this in youth group. Cause this is freaking awesome. Right. And that was like, that probably took up a couple of years worth of that. But, you know, eventually, eventually you just hit bottom, you know, eventually you just kind of grow up. Eventually you're just kind of like, it, it's not there. Like, you know, it's not there. And so there were, there were a couple of years and, and maybe you sense that, in, in the tone where it's there are a couple of years where I just kind of, kind of went through those motions, much like maybe a kid would go through the motions at church, but I was kind of going through motions in the world, living a life of sin where I'm like, yeah, this isn't really fulfilling me, but I'm still out here doing it. And it just kind of bankrupted me. It just kind of, it slowly eats away at your soul, I think. And so it, I realized I was coming up empty and, you know, um, I needed more. So those, so I guess that's, that's what I'm curious about is like, those things are fun. Uh, did the lifestyle, did it just catch up with you? Like, did it start to negatively impact like your work or, or your personal relationships or something like what, what part of it made you go, I got, I got to stop doing this. Like, this is bad for me. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was definitely many moments along the way, um, I'd say in a couple fronts, um, certainly I think my own soul, um, knowing that I was going, I was looking, you know, like the song goes, right. I was looking for love in all the wrong places, but I was looking, I was looking elsewhere for what, uh, and it wasn't providing it, but there were definitely moments of hitting rock bottom, you know, drinking way, way, way too much, you know, getting out of a lot of close calls, um, you know, all of that stuff, you know, there were, there were smoke signals on the horizon and sometimes it just came too close and it kind of snapped me into a reality. Like I'm not going to be able to sustain this. This is not a good long-term plan. I'm going to end up dead or a DWI or divorced or something. I think what's interesting to me about the decisions that people make after um, that, that kind of life. So like, you know, I don't know you're with maybe because of your involvement in the church beforehand, like that was kind of the default thing to run back to not saying it wasn't thought out. Um, but I'm just saying like, you know, a lot of people, it's not uncommon for people in college. Like, I mean, a lot of my friends, I, I, I was kind of a straight laced guy. So I never really, I, I just, when I discovered that getting drunk was fun, um, you know, I, it didn't turn into anything out of control. It's just like, I do this sometimes with my friends and it's still fun. And I still do it sometimes yeah. with my friends. So it's like, I mm -hmm. mean, I, I know I've never experienced any like destructive 
uh, I haven't had any like my and it hasn't damaged relationships and I haven't had any, you know, negative repercussions from it in that sense. Uh, like, but I think what's interesting is, I mean, there's a lot of times that people are in their twenties and they have those, Oh, I'm taking this too far. This isn't good for me. Um, experiences. And, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes they find AA uh, or sometimes they, I don't know, Maybe they just find a new group. I'm not really sure what pulls people out of it, but sometimes just that realization that that's not who they want to be. Um, yeah. So it's not like a super uncommon story. So the, the I think the connection between that and 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 going back to faith as opposed to um, finding a hobby or doing something like a different like finding a different way to like pull yourself out of it, uh, which is what some other people might do who don't have a, a church background. I mean, and, and it's also right. incredibly common for people to go through moments in their life where most of us are familiar enough with religion where they'll, where they'll go. I'm not happy with where I am. What's going to fix it. And uh, the cultural conditioning might say, maybe look to God. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I guess what was it? I think this kind of jumps on what Casey was saying about, was it shame or or guilt or uh, maybe anything about your upbringing about what was it maybe that you learned about God or were drawn back that was kind of drawing you back in after that time in your life when you felt like you needed something to assist um, pulling you out of that or something with more substance to build a life on. Yeah. Yeah, to me, I would have to go back to, it would really have to go back to the Bible because I had never read the whole Bible. I had never, you know, as a youth group kid, as a church kid, you know, we would always have those one-off lessons or the sermon that's, you know, three jokes, a poem and, you know, a life lesson or something like that. And it just, I never actually got the whole concept of what was trying to, to be uh, communicated in all of the Bible. And so that's probably the first thing that I did was read the entire Bible and saw, whoa, like this whole thing, like actually is saying something from cover to cover. There's, I know there's some super weird parts in Leviticus is freaky. And, you know, there's some crazy, crazy things in here from several thousand years ago in a completely different culture than I live in now. But the overall meta narrative of it, the overall big storyline of the Bible hung together for me. And, and it really come, came together as a worldview, as a way for me to interpret life. And that's, that's really what grabbed me and still keeps me in it is that, you know, Christianity as a worldview just makes more sense to me. Like it, it just adds up to me way more than any other worldview that I've experienced or looked at or, you know, it has the answers that I'm looking for in that sense. And it's robust enough. That's what, that's what really got me excited was once I realized it's not just, again, the evangelical culture, which I know we're going to get into in a little while, you know, there's depth, there's a depth to it. There's a depth to God's word. And that doesn't always, I would even say more times than not does not come out in evangelical culture. It's just shallow and it's, unintellectual and it's, you know, it's not robust. It's more emotionalism. It's more, um, you know, all that stuff. And once I realized that there was actually a depth to that story, that's what really got me. 
So what, what is that depth? Because for a lot of us, it was, um, for many people, it's, it's actually reading the Bible from cover to cover that makes them go, uh, what? I don't think I'm <laughs> on board with most of this. And of course, there's different ways to look at why things are written the way they are. So, you know, but, but the, correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I don't want to, I, I want to understand where you're coming from is, yeah. When you're talking about reading the Bible from cover to cover and, and hearing this story, it sounds like there's like this idea that there's a meta narrative from beginning to end, that this is like an overarching meta narrative of the Bible. And you can, yeah. you know, find these markers along the way that, that reinforce that. Now, yeah. if to me, that feels like something like what was difficult for me is when I, doing that, I would say, yeah, if you pick certain markers, you can find the through line to those markers, but you have to dodge and miss a lot of stuff in between those markers in order for this, this meta narrative to line up. Um, so, so I, I was raised with the belief that, you know, from beginning to end, this is God's story. This is what God's doing. Um, and this is where you can see it. Uh, and I, I don't, I just don't hold that anymore so i'm interested in in the Mm -hmm. depth that you're looking at what's the depth that you're speaking to and what's the story um that you're that you're seeing um that that kind of pieces it together for you in and then provides you those answers and then i and if i could follow if i could just jump in uh i just wanted to congratulate sam on the use of the term (laughs) meta-narrative thanks casey (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> very good absolutely I, I concur with those congratulations yeah it's um i think the depth to it is that the bible provides the or provided the answers for me to those same big basic questions that kind of every other philosophy or religion or anything else in and of themselves are trying to answer, right? Those questions like, all right, who am I? Where did I come from? What am I here for? Why can't I do it? What what went wrong? And how do we fix it? You know, those things that, you know, all of those other worldviews are trying to provide, the Bible answered those for me in that way. And they answered it in such a way when you talk to the depth, no, no other religion or worldview has that both a transcendent and an imminent God, one who is, who who transcends where he is and is, and is over and above everything and in control of everything, but also yet imminently personal and, and involved in our daily lives. Right. So that's what really got me as far as the, as far as the depth. Right. And it just kind of, I don't know how into like philosophy you guys are or whatever, but it's that kind of classic illustration of the the two story house where it's, you have the material things on, on one floor of the house. And then you have like the spiritual things or the, the, uh, the more emotional things uh, on, on the top floor of the house. And, and Christianity is both of those things, you know, as opposed to other religions or worldviews that maybe one or the other. In that, so again, it just kind of it makes sense. And as far as like, you know, nobody can ever prove God. When I get into conversations with people, it's just like, well, if, God, if you give me enough evidence, I will believe in God. It's like, okay, well, I, I can't do that. Like, 
intellectually, you just can't prove God. But this is what makes the most sense to me. And, and this is what, when you look at what's going on in the world, when you look at where we are now and how it can be fixed, it's just, it's kind of the easiest answer to me that there's all these gymnastics to avoid it. It's like, well, it can't be God. It can't be the Bible. It's true. So we have to, we have to invent something else that is like, it can't be that because we don't want to let, we don't want to let that be right. You know what I mean? So from this I, side of the fence, too, for it's instance, like, for instance, Oh, you sorry, sound like you're about question. to say something. Yeah, I, did, I, I, know, I, I didn't know. What the question <laughs> I'm like, he's getting ready to make a really big point. This long, awkward pause is getting pretty. <laughs> he's coming in big. No. Yeah, I, I, I had the same feeling uh, in question. Is it, I, I feel like um, people will be listeners will be screaming at us if they don't hear us jump in and say, <laughs> "What? What do you? What? What is it?" Because I, I don't see that. I don't see people as saying looking for something else, looking for literally anything else. I think that it's so I'm not I, I guess. So when Casey says, for instance, I think, Casey, are you looking for a, a, a specific, like maybe specific examples of why people or what people are doing to avoid Christianity? Yeah, if you could give me a couple of meta narratives <laughs> okay, <laughs> to work with, to, you know, to illustrate that point. <laughs> um yeah i mean there's a couple that comes to mind right and they're all kind of the big ones that we might think of right what's the actual answer to when bad things happen to good people like evil and suffering in the world like what's the what's the paradigm for that you know the bible has an answer for that otherwise it does you know it, <laughs> it does I, I'm going to need you to expound on that. I. It's a fallen world. Does that sum it up? It could... <laughs> <laughs> no. There's definitely more to it than that. There's definitely more to it than that, right? No, I, I, I should I, say. I... I should say that the Bible has has answers towards that, in, as opposed to a nice and neat and tidy. Here's why. Da, 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 you know, here's why evil and suffering. Right there. Are, there's the logical problem of evil. And then there's like the, the personal problem of evil. Like, I understand why there's like, as Casey said, right. If you buy into that, that's, that's the fallen world. I get it. That's why there's people out there that do terrible things to kids. And that's why Justin Bieber exists. And that's why other weird things in the world happen. Like, it's like, now he's never going to be a guest on the podcast. Michael Adele. <laughs> <laughs> but then what happens to us, like then how, I guess that's what I, I guess that's the, the kernel here. When it happens to us, when when the logical problem of evil and suffering happens to us, how do we make sense of that? Right. That's where yeah. that's where that's where the Bible is like, okay, well, for you, right? For you personally, when it happens, like we've all had banner 2020s, right? You know, 2020 was a terrible. I'm, I'm year losing here. though. I'm Sorry, I, I'm I'm losing you on you, you're saying that you know that's like that in response to what do we do when it happens to us um, and when it becomes personal that the Bible has. I guess I'm looking to know what your your understanding of that and what is that answer what, or what are the answers or what are what's the Bible directing us towards that helps. Um, uh, 
I, I helps you work through that problem because that's what I'm. I think I'm still missing. I'm hearing that the Bible has the answer or has answers, but I'm not. I'm missing what the answers that the Bible is providing to the problem of evil are. Right, right, right. So, if we look at it from the perspective of, again, this worldview making sense right? The biblical worldview making sense. Nobody's going to deny that evil is here. Nobody's going to deny that actual evil and suffering exists. Um, but then how, how do we interpret that in light of our worldview? And what Casey said, um, that's got to be kind of the building block for us, one of the foundational blocks that, yeah, if you look at the meta narrative of the Bible, that God did create the world perfectly, Right. And that evil did enter the world, right? But it's not, it is the fallen world narrative, but it's not that God's up there going, oh, well, um, I hope that works out for you guys. He's personally involved in the solution to that evil in our lives. Not only that, he's personally walking through us, I mean, walking with us, as we walk through the evil that is in our lives. And then not only that, the end of the biblical narrative is that there's one day where he's going to restore that back to its perfection, right? There, there's nothing else to me that, that otherwise than what I, I honestly don't know. And I've, I'm, I want to ask you guys questions, but like, I think I was listening to your last guest and she tried to ask you a question and Sam smacked her down and said, the guests aren't allowed to interview that was, you guys. So that's, I don't a wanna... that's a joke. That was hilarious, <laughs> by the way. It's kind of like what Casey said a minute ago. Like we didn't know if he was serious or not. Like is he actually yelling at our guest. I don't know. <laughs> but it's like, uh, Casey, I honestly you... don't, don't know how, how else you would make sense of, like, I'll give you a real concrete example, right? So January okay. 7th, 2020, I'm diagnosed with cancer and I can't get a hold of my wife because my wife is in Florida next to her dad who literally just passed away at the exact moment that the doctor is telling me I have cancer. So it's like, what, what do you do with that? What do you, it, you know, what do you do with yeah. that outside of, the, outside of a, to me again, right? It's because I'm, I'm the guy representing the other the other side that people are screaming at their windshields right now that, you know, um, but apart from a, a, a biblical worldview, I don't know what to do with that. It just seems like there are no answers to me. Well, I think I think that's. And uh, sorry to hear about your diagnosis, yeah. man. Um, I think that's where I guess I, I get lost in all this because. I feel like uh, we're we're representing some of these things as if there's a there's a narrative involved in it, as if this is something that's you know, and that's that's the that's the Christian foundational worldview, right? That that God has a purpose in all of this. This is part of His plan, and there's an answer at the end of it. You know, there's a purpose for why this is happening and stuff. And I I get it and i i understand the uh the talking points around like why there's uh child soldiers in the world and why um you know uh 500,000 people died of covid this year if god's all powerful why can he ch- stop that like i get all of that but i don't it just i it just doesn't it doesn't mean anything to me 
And I think some of this stuff is just, you know, we're, we're looking for, a uh, we're looking to assign a reason to things that this might not be any reasons to, we're looking for sure. answers to things that there just might not be any answers to, you know, where did the world come from? Where did, you know, if, if the big bang is true, then where did that initial, you know, super packed ball of mass come from? I, there, there might just not be an answer to that. Doesn't mean that yeah. one's correct and what's not. It's just, I, I guess that's where I, uh, it's, it feels to me like religions of all varieties, there's a point at which you just have to kind of choose to buy in. And that's mm-hmm. what I guess I, I miss in a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that evangelical culture does very little i should say popular evangelical culture does very little to help answer that question intelligently right because what you said casey is is i I would agree with you know there the quest of the christian christianese right to be able to get an answer for something or why is this happening or what lesson is god trying to teach me in all this you know it may not be there you know and we know we there is, but we we might not get to know it. And that's where we have to trust who God is as opposed to just what's going on. And there's depth in that. There's real depth in that. Is, you know, because what I, Christianity is saying, are we, are we really just trusting God because he's going to make my life easier or he's going to give me answers or he's going to make me feel good or he's going to make me successful? Or are we just trusting God because God is God? Like. It's there's a huge it, difference. It almost sometimes it, it feels like it's less about finding an you know in practical in practical terms it's less about finding an answer to why a bad thing happens or a good thing happens and more about like trusting that there is an answer and and using that trust as a coping mechanism for what is happening and is probably and is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Does that make, does it, am I, I don't know if I'm explaining myself very well, but yeah, no, I think you are, except that I would say that, that the trust again is not only someone who's sovereign over all things, but personal in all things. Like he, he's, he's, his, the Bible tells us who he is. And so we trust his character in that. It's not just kind of a hoping that there's a reason for everything, but I'm hoping and trusting in a person in a God who's, who's with us. And we know who he is. He's good. He's kind. He's slow to anger. He's forgiving. He's not going to clear the guilty. He's just I think, all that. I think to Casey's point in that when he, he he mentions that at some point you just have to choose to to buy in is I mean I hear so like I think a lot of what you're saying is is very familiar um, mm-hmm. and and I understand. I under, I understand that perspective uh, really, really well. Um, you know, that's what I went. I, I'm not even so far removed from it, and and of course, I um, I still, as I've mentioned, maintain I still maintain a, a what I would call a Christian faith. It's up to other people to decide whether or not they think I count or not, and that's fine. But I, um, but a lot of it has very little to do with the Bible having answers and, and, and going back to like this meta. So you're, you're the conclusions you're coming to about what God's like and that you can trust that. 
is, I guess, is a, I mean, it kind of just gets you into a conversation about metaphysics, I guess, and how you would even know that, um, you know, that's not like, and that's where I think some of that got lost on me was just like, and that wasn't one of the first things to go, uh, by any means. Um, it was probably one of the last, and I don't think I'm not even calling uh, to, uh, the floor to have anything like, I don't really care about criticizing that for people. Like if that, if that's the belief that you maintain and you feel a connection to a close and personal God, then that's, that's okay. Uh, I'm not interested in taking that from people. hundred uh, percent. And, but just to, I'm more like trying to provide context to, uh, a position that would have moved away from that uh, more than I'm trying to argue with it. So I just, I just want to make sure I'm being understood when I say that, that like, but that was one of the things to go for me a little, probably later on in my journey was that, that the Bible provides us with, with who God is. I, to me, all, what I get out of it is that, it provides us ideas of what people have thought about God over thousands of years and they haven't been consistent and they've changed significantly. And it's not that um, you could, you might argue that God's revealed himself more clearly over time. Um, I would argue possibly that people have uh, I maybe through, um, you know, psychological, social evolution, they've come to, and we've drifted out of, oh, unfortunately not entirely, but as we drift out of like tribalistic uh, mindsets where our group of people yeah. consists of our family or then our group of people consists of our village and now your group of people consists of a state and a city and a country. And as it expands and you have to bring more people in and try to, I mean, really the end goal uh, is like all these people trying to, who are trying to manage all of it, convince people that they need to care about other people. And of course you can't really, I mean, you can look at our, our whole political system right now, and that's kind of the argument we're still having is, you yeah. know, whether or not you do this social program or that and trying to trying to have these conversations about whether or not, you know, some people's lives are worth you paying an extra 10 bucks a year in taxes. Great. But and I'm getting a, probably a little off my original topic, but back to your your the concept of God having these characteristics that are clearly portrayed uh, through the Bible. And then that, 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 that's the answer is like, that's only, that's only the answer. If you choose to believe that the Bible is giving you that, that the Bible is even giving that as an answer uh, amongst possible oh, yeah. other possible options. And then that it's true. Cause like you could easily kind of go in the other direction. It's just like when you're talking about God providing comfort or, or being there on your, the journey with you through difficult times, it's like, some people found their comfort in not believing that there was a God next to them through those times, knowing that that God wasn't really doing anything about it for them. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of why I, ha I want to have these conversations because I, I honestly don't understand that. I would like to talk to people that, that have that perspective and learn more about that. Like, how is that possible? Cause you know, to me, I, I it's so far from my own, worldview understanding and you know not that i'm in danger of deconverting but i just genuinely don't understand how that 
hangs in there, like how that holds water, how that makes sense. Yeah, I think it makes sense because, well, I don't know how to speak for everybody's personal experience and I'm not going to try, but I think it, I think, I think an admission of there, I, I think believing that maybe you can't know um, and not hanging an entire, your, your entire life on, uh, on a conclusion to something that you don't feel like you can know is easier for people, especially when a, maybe the religion that they were part of felt more harmful to them, more harmful yeah. to them than helpful. But yeah. also there's a, I mean, I, I really understand the perspective because there's a lot that goes into choosing to believe all that because just saying that it provides like it provides you comfort therefore it's hard for you to understand how anyone could find more comfort without it but the, to me and many others there's uh there was a constant anxiety of like trying to feel that that god was there and like trying to make it real and trying to force something inside of yourself you and, and and yeah. I know the counter would be, you don't have to force it. You just need to open yourself up to God. But I, I mean, that's something I've been trying to do my entire life. And there let go are certain, and let God. Yeah. And, and you let go <laughs> and you're like, I just don't see it still. Like, yeah, no, no. no. So, not biblical. Yeah. No, I feel that. Okay. That helps. Um, but yeah, again, it's, I, I don't want to misrepresent either that, you know, I'm, I, I think that's part of what I react to in the evangelical evangelical world is it's not just about the feeling. It's not just about the comfort. I mean, sure, it is there, but sometimes we don't feel it. And that doesn't mean it's not there. And that doesn't mean it's not true. Right. And that's where you've got to go back on. OK, well, even when God is silent. You know, either you're trusting in who he is or you're trusting in how he makes you feel. And when we start basing our worldview on our feelings we're in a lot of trouble. At some yeah. point, doesn't it all go back to feelings though? Cause I mean, it's, there's a lot of things we're talking about here that again, you just can't know. You can't provide evidence as to why God exists. And that doesn't mean he doesn't. It's just, it right. just means that, uh, you know, you're taking the sum total of your experiences and, and weighing those with against the possibility that like, maybe there's, you know, some sort of deity that's, that's got a hand in everything that's happened to you. And, yeah. um, I think that's, that's where I, yeah, like I, I'm in the same, and we've talked about this quite a bit over the past couple of months here is just that without the feeling, this is just like continually reaffirming your commitment to, uh, a bunch of st like stated principles. If you don't feel anything about those principles, then are you, aren't you, I mean, it kind of felt to me like I spent a lot of my life just going through the motions. Mm -hmm. I had no connection to them other than that, like, this is what I know is real and this is what I think. And I have an answer to this problem and an answer to that problem. But like, it, there wasn't any sort of, uh, they didn't hold any weight in my life other than just the the guilt of like doubting those things and, and continually trying to push myself back to them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, again, I go back to, it's gotta be both. Uh, and when I said we don't always feel it, that doesn't mean we never feel it. 
right? And one of the things that I realized when I, when I really embraced the truth of the gospel is that this has made me more fulfilled and more happy and more joyful and more whatever than, than I've ever felt. But that doesn't mean you feel like that every single day because we all have ups and downs in our lives and everything. And so, again, I say this a lot from the pulpit. It's that the, the answer is never in the extremes, right? It's never just one side or the other. Christianity isn't just, oh, Jesus makes me happy all the time because we all know that's BS because nobody's happy all the time. And we also know that it's not just all intellectual snobbery and uh, Christian culture and looking down on everyone else, right? And there are answers and there are doctrine. It's both. It is, it's solid doctrine that is truth. And it's also what that truth actually does to us in our lives. Okay. Do so you, do ahead, you maybe. feel it's appropriate to use the term BS? Cause I'm on the fence. <laughs> <laughs> Is you concerned about his heart, Casey? I'm, I'm going to do my best just to not get hung up on it. Go ahead, Sam. <laughs> yeah, no, no, Casey, keep me, keep, keep me honest, okay? Appreciate that. <laughs> We're accountability partners now, you and me. Oh, there we go. <laughs> accountability partners. <laughs> oh my god. I um. Uh, so I think what you just said is a good way to, I guess, maybe segue out of running circles around the topic of what uh, the topic we're on is um you said how it affects your life and how it affects the lives of the people who believe it and i think this is where we get into where the biggest problems lie and why you've uh-huh. seen why we're seeing um i mean such an ex- such a high number of people uh especially now uh in such a divided climate just go in all different directions is um we were taught that you know that the bible is true whatever that means i don't think that's even a statement that's worth uttering because it just doesn't i I think that statement actually doesn't mean anything saying the bible's true uh it's essentially not communicating anything of importance it just requires like i don't know probably a 10 page essay on what that means in order to like when Uh when when you're in an evangelical circle and you say the bible is true everyone goes amen but then right it only works if you're talking to people who are understanding it from the same perspective and are using the same vocabulary so but if you understand like as being taught that that the bible was true and, and and you know and what it means to live a good Christian life. I believe that I was taught good principles on how to live and, and care for people um, as a, as a kid, you know, and I've had these yeah. conversations with my, with my parents, mostly my dad, where it's like, I might not believe in things the way that you do anymore. And we, I might disagree with your, your understanding of religion and politics, but I learned a lot more than that from my, from my parents. I learned how to be productive member of society and what it looked like to care about the people that you are around. And um, so, yeah, but when we look at the, when we look at things now and in such a globalized world and, you know, you look at what evangelicalism has turned into in the past six years, you know, growing up, always hearing that, you know, the, the fruit that what you produce is what is important 
You know, where I'm seeing people who don't believe in anything produce good fruit, and I'm seeing people who believe sure. in, who subscribe to evangelicalism producing really some of the most rotten fruit I've seen in my life at this point. And I'm if Jesus was so concerned about the fruit that people were producing, then I think the people who are in and participating in the kingdom he was trying to build are the ones who don't even believe in God most of the time at this point. Could be. Yeah. So That's I guess a loaded question. Yeah, just, I, yeah. I want. I do want to hear so, you speak. To so that. unpack that. Yeah, and, and, and <laughs> if, what, what does this mean for evangelicalism? Um, and even what does evangelicalism mean to you? But in light of the fruit that it's producing, how do we wrap our minds around that from your perspective? Yeah, I always ask multi-part questions. I need to stop doing that. So sorry. <laughs> it's all like, good. Answer these I'll, five I'll questions. To- go. <laughs> I'll try to unravel that. Yeah, I mean, when, when we even start to talk about current evangelical culture, right? It's um, I, I almost I almost don't want to use that word anymore because you know that word just like kind of your statement about you know the Bible's true. It's kind of like once you say that word evangelical, you're going to get a reaction from people immediately, and most of the time I'm embarrassed about what that reaction is going to look like, and and it's it's just become so far removed from frankly again what i would say is is how we're supposed to be and i think you hit it on the head sam that you know a lot of the fruit that you see coming out of the evangelical world is is rotten spoiled fruit right and there are really really obviously common grace right there's really really smart people who aren't christians and there are people who aren't christians who are doing amazing things um, for the society, for themselves, for, and they're, they're, they're good and they're kind people. Right. So it's like, so what is that juxtaposition and and why is that happening? And I, again, I come back to, it's like, well, where's evangelicalism basing their foundation on? And I'm going to say, it's going to, we're getting away from the Bible and we've gotten away from the Bible, right? Like most people in America, if you say, what's an evangelical, they're going to think, uh, something close to those people that uh, took over the Capitol building and wanted to burn it to the ground with their Trump t-shirts and their uh, Bibles on their flags or whatever else, you know, it's like, or, or any number of horrific news stories about, you know, this evangelical pastor that flamed out or this person that took money from the church or, or crazy Kenneth Copeland who, you know, wants to dance and blow away the COVID germ, which all those <laughs> memes are absolutely hilarious. Like I chased every one of them down. Did you guys see the one, what's her name? Paula White. When she was, when she was speaking in tongues and then they overdubbed this cat in front of it, doing this rap <laughs> video. You have to find that. But that's, like, <laughs> that's what people think evangelicals are. Like, and so when I hear people deconverting and, and, running away from that, I'm going, yeah, I get it, but you're not deconverting from it. You're, you're running from a misrepresentation of it. Like, that's why I was so, so chapped growing up because it's like, this is, this is fake. This is emotionalism. This is shallow. This is all just an internal culture that doesn't really hold any water. Right. And so when I ran away from it, I wasn't really running away from Jesus necessarily. I was running away from evangelical culture, which was wrong. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a big tent, and uh, the people holding the microphone right now inside the tent are the Kenneth Copelands and whatnot. Now, so yeah. like, you know, Sam kind of asked you earlier, but like, why, why Christianity when you decided you know you needed to make changes and stuff like that? So, did you maintain like? some semblance of Christian beliefs like through that time in your life where you weren't really involved in any of the church stuff anymore? No, not at all. I didn't, uh, I didn't pray. I uh, didn't read the Bible, didn't go to church at all. Um, you know, and uh, I didn't, I, I guess it was probably upwards of, of a decade um, where that was radio silence. Um, and it's, it's weird. And, I never, I'm not saying I heard an audible voice because I'm not into that stuff either, but I had this, this pull and it was kind of always this pull and it was a pull that was intentional. That was kind of like, are you sure, you know, are you, are you ready yet? You know, are you sure you want to keep living like this? And I would keep pushing it away and stuffing it down and say, nah, I'm fine. I don't need you. I'm done. Right. And, and then it would come back and it would come back and it would come back until, Finally, I just, with everything, like I said, with 9-11 and, and looking for answers, I'm like, all right, what do you got? You know, what, what are the answers? What is, what is this? And then just investigated it from there. And that's what I would say to people that are deconverting is like, have you ever really just looked at it for yourself? Like if there was a way to turn off your brain from all of the, the crap background that you experienced and just read the Bible with a blank slate. And I know that's really hard because I know things have been, people have been through some really crappy things and gotten hurt by the church and had really terrible examples. So it's, it's really hard to do that. But that's what I would, that's what I would say is just, have you ever really investigated it honestly for yourself? Or are you just rejecting evangelicalism? I have a friend who's a, uh, who's a, a Mormon. And he didn't grow up a Mormon, but uh, met a lady. He wanted to marry her. Her family was pretty involved in the church. And uh, so that was, you, you're going to be a Mormon if you're going to marry my daughter, yeah. right? So he talked about, you know, going through all of the different, Mormons are very organized about that kind of stuff. They've got a good like hierarchical system of like bringing in new people and everything. But uh he was saying that it just, it wasn't, he was doing it. Uh, he was going through the motions. He was doing all the exercises and doing the activities and everything, but it just wasn't, there was just, it just wasn't clicking for him. So he talked about going and talking to like one of the leaders in the program and just saying like, basically that, like, dude, I'm, I'm doing all this stuff. And I just, I, there's nothing. I, I just don't feel anything towards this. And the guy said, look, I know that, uh, I know that you're going through the motions here, but do you want, but do you want to believe? Mm. And he's like, and that made the difference for me. I mean, I, I realized that like I was doing it, but I, I didn't want to believe. And he's telling me this as if like, this is a, this is a, a revelation and it's, it's, uh, you know, kind of ties the story together. But it feels like it kind of goes back to the same stuff. It's like, you know, are you are you honestly evaluating what's here? 
or do you want do you want this to make sense to you? Do you yeah, want to yeah. assign this meaning to the you know the the stuff going on in your life? I mean, how is how how, how do you uh, how is that d- different? Like, what what's what about that is a shallow explanation of like the principle that you're trying to convey? Because I I know that's not what you're saying when you say evaluate right. it for yourself. Right. Right. I don't know. I, I think, I hope I'm understanding what you were trying to say correctly, but to me, it seems like you're, you're going back to, again, a, a desire of the heart or a feeling. Um, but also it's, it's an, it's a very honest question. You know, like, do you, are, are you just in this for what it can make you feel like or what it can do for you emotionally? Because I mean, there are plenty of those Christians and then when they hit those hard times or when, like we all do, you know, when life punches us in the soul, if your whole faith is built on emotionalism, there's nothing there. There's no, there's nothing to fall back on. And that's when you have a crisis of faith. Um, but I, I think Casey, what you were, what your story illustrates is that are we just propping this all up because maybe somewhere deep down inside it doesn't make sense to us, but we want it to be? Is that what you're... I think it just... No, no. It's not that it doesn't make sense or anything like that. It's just that it it feels like the onus is on you to make this make sense for you. Oh, oh, like, oh okay. To, so to lean the... in, to... to I, like, this... Like, it's not so much a... Look... I'll hold, you know, objective evaluation of what's here in this book. It, it always seems to come back to like, uh, do you want this to be the underlying principles for your life? Like, are you are you really looking for a way to make this make sense to you? Or are you, uh, I, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not giving a good explanation. It's almost like if yeah. it, it feels a lot Is like we're, like you're, it's like a commitment to finding the answer in the in the book, you know? Like are like, you committed enough to this to believe it kind of thing or are you committed enough to Do you want it to... to make sense for you? Uh-huh. Like I think what I want maybe I can help clarify is I think what he's trying to say is like like from I'll, I'll use myself as an example is I, I'm so I went to Liberty university and got a Bible degree. I what I'm sorry. You, what, I'm very sorry. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'd be interested to know what, like the, I would be interested to know some of the theological differences between maybe their, their like Liberty was a, a they have a plethora of problems. Um, but theologically speaking, I think that they're probably in this camp as a lot of other like Southern, ba- any, I mean, Southern Baptist theology. Um, so you, you're going to get, which I don't agree with, um, but you're going to get that, um, and from, from a lot of decent professors, you know, the, the institution of Liberty is, is horrible and, and deserves to be heavily investigated. But, you know, when I was a student there, I really liked my professors and they were well-meaning mm-hmm. Southern Baptist theological type guys. So, but th- so that's what I, so I, I go there. And Southern Baptist is basically like what I grew up in, even though it was a non-denominational church. So I'm, 
one of the things you said is that you know if you if you have rely too heavily on the emotional aspect of it, like you're going to end up with a crisis of faith. Sure, that's probably true um, to some degree, but I think a lot of times the crisis of faith isn't because they were so emotionally invested; is because they find what they were being taught academically deficient. And when I'm at liberty, and I'm, I mean, I was all in. I, I, I. I went there to learn these things and be taught the right things. I was like, and it was important to me to pick a school that's going to teach me the good theology. So I, mm-hmm. and that, what was good theology based on? What, what was my, I mean, that, that grounding, that, that was just laid for me. It was like, I was taught what good theology was by people who told me what good theology was. It's like all circulatory reasoning that got me there. And the stuff that just started pulling me out was again, like, you know, for you, it was going, you go back and read the Bible all by yourself and for yourself with a new understanding. That's what kills it for most people. Like, because the Bible has been built up as this book that holds, has all the truth and has all the answers and, and, and provides yeah. the story that you need that from beginning to end. And, and it provides you with the understanding of what salvation is, which I would, I'd like to dispute the term salvation as being anything other than, being literally anything other than what we were told it was. But it's like, I couldn't keep reading that and keep listening to it. I'm, I'm reading the Bible and I keep listening and hearing all these people's explanations. And the, I mean, the, the entire book, I mean, there's, there's libraries filled with people trying to make it make sense for everyone else. And if sure. you're going to fill an entire fucking library with books that are explaining to people why if you can like why this all works and you can wrap it up with a neat little bow on it like i just started to come to the conclusion that if the bible can bring people to hundreds of thousands of different conclusions then the intent of the bible isn't to provide people with theological certainty or answers in any way mm-hmm. so that's that's what the confusion i have around the bible being the go-to book for bringing people back to faith or that there's something that's going to be happening because I mean, you just start in the first book of the Bible and it doesn't make like the creations of the world doesn't make sense. The two, there's two narratives that tell different stories about the order in which it was created. I mean, you, you start out with inconsistencies and then you get to genocide and then you get to like women being, you know, property. Like these are the things that like you, when you read through it, when you, you can't just keep ignoring that uh, if you're progressing uh, in any way morally in your life, you're not going to like it, it gets you. You can create the theological excuses for why that worked at that time or God didn't stop it or God moved people past it. But you really just can't keep looking at those as a, as someone who's progressed in ethics and, and morality and, and want to make excuses for a God like that. And I think that's why that it does. I think, I I don't think it's emotionalism. I don't think it's um, the fact that these people aren't reading the Bible for themselves. I think it's, they're taking a really good hard look at what the Bible is for themselves. And, and they stopped responding emotionally because a lot of us had that good emotional experience. Like, you know, you're just going to, I, I, so I don't think that's what people are fizzling out on. And I want to, kind of be the advocate for the listeners in that like a real authentic try and some of course some just it's, it's, up, a, it's a, a mixed real, bag yeah it, i mean it, it's there's people on both sure. sides there's definitely yeah. people that like the minute it's not fulfilling my needs where i'm out 
you know, yeah. which is is pretty easy to poke holes in. Sure, but right, if, of course, and, like, is it is it your? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna and. and yeah, there's a couple of big buckets we could put that into. We could put emotional needs, right? We could say, um, I was deeply hurt by the church. Um, you know, something else went wrong in the church. I had this pastor or this guy. There's usually there turned out to be a dirtbag and, and, you know, everything else. And so you could put a lot of some people in that bucket. But yeah, Sam, I think what you're driving at is, is that's part of, you know, why I want to have these conversations too is, is, yeah, I mean, I mean, how many of the the deconverters or progressive Christianity or whatever else are reacting to the Bible itself? Like, I get what you're, I get what you're saying. Like, I read the Bible and it clicked for me, and and that made it all work. But that's what turns a whole group of other people away because they read the Bible and they're like, "This is this doesn't make any sense to me," and it's offensive. And all those things that you said, you know, which, you know, those all, all those things you said are, of course, conversations in and of themselves, you know, whether or not it's mm-hmm. genocide and creation narratives and, and all of that stuff. Right. Um, but I think we, we, we in this discussion, we can't remove the necessity of a faithful biblical church in that. Right. And when I mean that we what should read the Bible okay. for ourselves. What, cause, what is you know, biblical? Yeah. So you say biblical, like, I don't even know what biblical means. Biblical means whatever pe- the person, like whatever biblical means, whatever the person extrapolating from the Bible wants it, it, it means to them. I think like, I don't, I know what biblical means when I hear it, like when my parents wanted to find like, or like a good Bible based church, like, Oh, I want a Bible believing church. I'm a, I know people who say that. And I know what that means. It means I want people, I want a, a church that's going to, you know, come from my perspective of what the Bible is. Uh, so like when you say biblical, I'm like, biblical can just mean so many things. Um, what is, what is, I don't even know what that means to you. Uh, so let's get that, I guess we may probably should have hammered away some of these definitions do you, do you, earlier on. Do you believe, <laughs> yeah. Is it your belief that the Bible's inerrant, that it's the inerrant word of God? Um, yes. In it's, in it's original writings. It is inerrant in its original writings. It is spirit breathed in its original writings that, that God worked through ordinary human beings to speak those words. Um, and they knew that's exactly what he was doing as well in that process. And, and, and people recognized it as such very, very quickly. Right. Um, and then that, of course, touches on the whole area of, of textual criticism and, and translation and all that stuff, which is why it's super important. And so when I say getting back to kind of the biblical aspect of things, you know, a church has to include somebody who has been trained in the original languages and trained in biblical theology, systematic theology, and all of that to say like, okay, this is, this is what this passage means, not this is what the passage means to me. Right. But I'm one of those crazy people that would say that the Bible has in their, in its authorship, the Bible has an intended meaning. And it's where we apply it is differently, but the meaning we should be able to pull out. And that's the t- the kind of preaching that I do is called expositional preaching, which is um, which the point of my sermon should be the main point of the passage. It's not what I want it to mean. And I stay in that one passage. I don't pull out. I don't start with the concept of how to have a happier Monday. Right. And then pull out 67 Bible verses 
out of context to then, you know, whatever, send you out the door with a smile. I think you know, that so- touches on what Sam's asking, though, is that, yeah, like to say this is what the passage means is is making a really muddy thing out to be clear cut because we've all sat through sermons where the guy, you know, I had a youth pastor for a while that loved to like talk about Greek and Hebrew and he'd be like, well, let's yeah. just break this verse down here. You know, this, <laughs> the usage of this word can mean this and this. And I think in this passage, what it's referring to is this. Well, that's, that's not clear cut. You know, I think that's, that's where Sam's hitting is like, even if your goal is to have a direct interpretation of what is absolutely 100% intended by that verse. I just, I don't know that we can do that. I don't know that even well-intentioned objective people can pull that meaning out of, you know, uh, even the original concept that, and that kind of touch, like, do you think that, any of the interpretations that we have available to us now, like the translations, are any of those, have any of those protected the original intent of those verses or are they, do they have errors and stuff in them? Um, I think to use a term we said a second ago, I think it's a mixed bag. I think that there are some translations that are more faithful to the original language than others, you know, like, um, the message Bible, I believe, has its place, right? It might it might help you understand in in a little bit different way, but some of the things are going to lead you away from what the original language was saying because they're not intending to translate it word by word. They're intending to translate it thought by thought and wrap it up in a nice little little bow for you. But so, so yeah, I, I mean, some, go ahead. I, one of the things that like so again, I I. One of the things that drifted me away from that is, um, and I was just trying to pull up the, like trying to say that the Bible, because if it's going to be that, well, let me, let me, before I make any assumptions, if it is, if it is divinely inspired, and it is uh, the errant word of God. I'm assuming that you believe a proper reading of it would, wouldn't allow for discrepancies or differences between the like different authors and different books. Is that, am I correct in understanding that, that it would all line up in some way if read correctly? Um, yes, it, I, I would agree that. Um, and, and again, you've got to understand a little bit about how the Bible was written and the different genres that are in the Bible and that sort of thing. And right. You know, yeah, you run into the Gospels or something and you have the synoptic problem where it's like, you know, people say, well, Matthew, Mark and Luke are saying all different things. And what's the deal? It's like, but they're actually not because they're all different shades of the same picture. Right. And they're all supposed to be read together. Unless you're that. talking about putting new wine into old wineskins then you get a little bit of a difference. But <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think one of the things is um, that I want so one of the things that so in to jump off that one of the things that was um a big shift for me was um I don't know I don't know if you're familiar with the juxtaposition of the of 2 Samuel 24 and 1 Chronicles 21 but um David takes a census I, I you know the story Yep um so like in 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 2 Samuel it would say that 
I'm just going to read it because I pulled it up. It's like the anger of the Lord burned against Israel and he incited David against them saying, go and take a census of Israel and Judah. So here we have God telling David to take a census of Israel and Judah. But when you get to first Chronicles, it says that uh, referring to the same point in history, the same exact census, it says Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to take a census of Israel. So David, he did that. And then afterwards, God gets really mad at him. So like, mm-hmm. I mean, even just there, right there, it's like when I read, when I was like reading through the Bible and I'm, and I'm start kind of doing some of my own research and I come across like, you know, the a difference of, I mean, that's not a slight difference. God told you to take a census or Satan told you to take a census and the outcome equals, but God was mad at both outcomes, which is interesting. God told him to do it and then was mad at him for doing it. And in second Samuel, so like, you know, I, yeah. When between looking at first and second Samuel, first uh, and second Kings, and first and second Chronicles, this happens constantly. Um, constant different retellings of the same stories, which is one of the things that brought me back into paying attention to and caring about the Bible. And it's one of the things that made me fascinated by it. It's one of the things that kind of woke me up to a, a realization that there's an idea about the Bible that says. This is this is what it looks like for people to try to tell their story and grapple with their past and try to make sense of it over a couple thousand years. And that's generally what they're trying to do. And, it, and whether there's mistakes or they're trying to reinterpret certain scenarios through a new lens based on where they are, or what they think God's doing. It's like, that's all we're all still doing. If you're a Christian or not, we're all trying to like, look at our story, look at our experiences and try to figure out what the fuck's even going on in this crazy world. And I think so, like, that's the stuff that brings me back into it. That's why I still go to a like a, a church and participate in Christian faith because I, I'm part of a community where I get to have these conversations and it, and some people think, you know, there's plenty there's people in my church that would come from your perspective or a more traditionally evangelical outlook. And then we, but we get to sit and have these conversations without it being a bother. So that's why, but yeah. I, I, and like we should, I just the, want to jump in. We should, we should have those conversations. I think that's part of what has gone wrong with the church that we have to have these conversations and, and just be yeah. and telling a kid to just have faith or just believe it or, Oh, don't worry about that. Or, you know, that's, it, it's counterproductive. You know, the Bible yeah. and faith is, is rigorous enough to press in and ask these questions and have these discussions because there aren't a lot of neat and tidy answers. And just where you are right now, you know, of course, you might have one guy that comes down on one side and another guy that comes down on another side of this, right? But to me, you know, if I'm preaching Second Samuel 24, I can't preach it without First Chronicles 21. I have to go back to that because, again, there's a word here that's in play that I haven't used yet, but it's orthodoxy. It's what has the what has the Christian Church believed over the years about who God is and and nature of him and evil and things like that. And so if you look at second Samuel 24, right, it says, uh, he incited David, the Lord incited David against them to do this census. Right. But then sec, uh, first Chronicles says that Satan incited David. Right. And of course you look at that and go what the heck, but why can't it be that the Lord knew in his sovereignty that Satan 
wants to get David at any cost. And he knew that David was prideful and he was also going to use whatever was going to come about about this and redeem it for good instead of just waste it for whatever is going to happen and allow that to happen and allow that and stand indirectly behind evil and say, okay, Satan, you know, you did it, but I'm the one that's going to redeem it for good because I'm more powerful than you and, and I have my plan that's working. So in the end, God's allowing it, but God didn't do it, right? And God's still responsible for all things, but it's an indirect use of sin and evil that exists. Other than that, you know, that's again where it's like, okay, if that's not true, then what's the purpose of evil? It's just evil. I mean, that's. A, I think that's an interesting take. I've, that's not one I wouldn't be unfamiliar with. I just, um, that's just not what it says. And as an inerrantist, like if it says that God incited David to take the census, and God incited David to take the census, right? I, so, I, for me, this is that. This is what tr- pulled me out. Is like that's going back yeah. and saying it needs to fit the the, the it, it needs to fit the the framework that we've constructed. Um, so instead of, so this is, goes back to what I think Casey's been saying from the beginning is like, it's a, it feels like to some degree, and I, this is, look, this is something I would argue anybody does, um, to a mm-hmm. lengthy degree is they have the framework that they've built and then, and they pick the things that, that help prop that up. Um, so this isn't even a criticism of evangelical culture or biblical interpreters or Democrats or Republicans. This is just a human condition. So just what's all i think we can all level that we're doing that frequently is but so point is i it with your perspective i just it that that feels to me like um a re reinterpreting or retelling to fit the uh, an evangelical framework is all as opposed to just saying this is just what the text says which is frequently a response to um, more problematic things like that nuance will get lost when you're talking about whether or not it's okay to be gay in the church, because there's no nuance for those passages there. It's, well, this is just what the Bible says. So the nuance will come in when it's convenient and it goes out when it's inconvenient. And it's all kind of feels like it's built around propping up a, like a, just some scaffolding that needs to exist in order to, to maintain. I don't, I, I don't always want to make it sound like it's so insidious or that there's yeah. like, it's, But that's that's my experience of it for sure. Yeah. Let's face it. That's that's a reasonable perspective. Right. Of course, I wouldn't agree with it, but I see where you're going with it. Um, And the concept, one of the other concepts I go by is using scripture to interpret scripture, like let the clear parts of scripture help us understand the unclear parts of scripture. And when you get down to it, like the reality of the gospel of who Jesus claims to be and, and what he did and, and why and what it means for us, like the gospel itself, that's crystal clear. And I would say it's crystal clear in the Bible, right? And, and some of these other things that people want to focus on, we can shed light on, right? Through the other parts of the Bible. But as an inerrant, what did you call me? Inerrant, inerrantist? Inerrantist. Inerrantist. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I think that's a stretch of that term that, that to me, that wouldn't include that. I have to say that it leaves no, you would use nuance to prop up, uh, a, a, um, a scaffolding, as you said, but I would use nuance to say that there has to be nuance 
in the translation of intended thought. I mean, we do it all the time with the words that we say and the things that we say. It's like, well, what did you mean by that? Well, it's not what I said. You know, it's like, what am I, what am I actually trying to get across? What am I actually, and that's the work of biblical interpretation and hermeneutics and all of that. Casey's loading up. All right. That was a big, big, big deep breath. (laughs) Here he goes. Well, I think that all of that, all of that makes sense. All of that is fine. And uh, I think it's easy to, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, I I think Sam put it pretty well in that, well, it's, it's, you know, representing like those problematic parts of scripture is, uh, you know, like it's almost, sometimes it's almost represented like people are, are nitpicking these, these problematic parts of scripture and these things that are, are, uh, you know, frequent, like, uh, atheist Reddit forum talking points about inconsistencies in the Bible (laughs) as like, uh, they're, they're gotcha questions, right? I never heard of that one. You guys are both Bible nerds, but, uh, (laughs) I think that's that's Sam, true. I'm, that's legit, man. I'm impressed, Sam. That was a good job. <laughs> no, that's that's true. That is nitpicking. That's picking apart small parts of scripture that may not be completely uh, central to the message. But I think when you couple that with the fact that, like, you know, you've said a couple different times throughout today that this this is this provides something that other religions can't and that the Bible is an errant. And I think that's where it becomes hard for me to follow along with some of this stuff. Cause I get totally accept the fact that like, Hey, there's some of this stuff that be, we as imperfect humans just can't understand, um, you know, God and his divine wisdom will reveal the meanings of these things eventually to us. And stuff. like, all oh, that's fine. But when we're on the one hand, we're saying that. And on the other hand, we're saying, well, you know, those guys are wrong and those guys are wrong and no other religions have any answers that are meaningful. Christianity is the only way to, to, yeah. you know, peace and happiness, eternal life, all that stuff. Well, that is just that tough to stomach. Yeah. And that might be an overstatement. Right. And, and I think there, there are definitely worldviews, religions or whatever that can provide some measure of happiness and fulfillment uh, but at the end of the day, to me, it's going to be temporary because, you know, no, I think where we need to really stand, a guy like me is going to say no other religion is going to tell you how you can be justified in the sight. You know, if you're going to accept the existence of a God, right, you're going to accept that he's not like us and he's all powerful and he's perfect. That goes along with accepting that there's a God. And we all know that we're not. We all know that this world is on a, a obviously not perfect either, right? So then what's the answer? Then how are we, how could we ever be accepted by this perfect God? And I would stand on the ground and then say definitely exclusive that there is no other religion that could tell you that, how we are accepted by that God. They could provide, to your point, Casey, they could provide some sort of comfort along the way or some sort of uh, fulfillment or something. But in the end, it's not going to answer that question. Right. So I don't want to paint with too broad a brush, but I do have to stand on some ground that says, you know. Sure. 
Sam's just got a good way of putting all this stuff, but it feels on the one hand, like Christians in general point at the structure in their lives and the, the good things that, that just having a good moral backbone and a, and a, a, a framework to, to live your life by that, you know, those are the things that I think religion at its best does really, really well uh, sure. is to, is to help people provide structure to their life to help them cope with difficult situations and to, and to, to get them through. I mean, it's life's hard, right? Yep. But I think that, and those are the things that are tangible that we can look at and we can say, yeah, for a lot of people, Christianity is great for them because look at these things. But yep. then to point at other religions and say, well, they might be able to offer you that, but they don't have like this eternal security that comes with them. It's, I don't know. It's, it's like the proof, the proof of why Christianity is great is this, but that's over there. Yeah. But that's, that doesn't matter over there because this over here proves that, that the rest of this stuff that's abstract that you can't really prove or provide evidence for is, is true. Yeah. And, uh... I'm not sure I'm totally understanding where you're headed with that. I guess the the it goes back to the fruit analogy, right? You'll know them okay. by their fruit, right? By their fruit, we can we can deduce that that Christianity. You know sheep and goats, Mike. Absolutely. <laughs> but other religions yield good fruit. So to 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 point at fruit as the the evidence that this mindset is is has eternal consequences but then to see fruit coming from you know branches of islam and buddhism and all the kind of stuff and to ignore that and say that that's that's inconsequential and that's, that's simply because they lack the academic yeah. assent to a principle that says jesus christ died and saved us and it only works if i recognize it is true yeah like it, those words that, the words that he said. That's what feels so simple about it is like, um, you, not all. It's like you can look at fruit, which is how you'll supposedly know them. Uh, they would say, on the other hand, uh, the fruit doesn't matter. It's only academic assent to these theological principles, and it can't be. It's just. But I don't. Like, what do you mean by that? The fruit doesn't matter. Like. So, you know, if you're talking Jesus saying you'll know people by their fruit or the reason I joked about sheep and goats is because of the great divider and the story that Jesus tells about who's going to like make it into the God's kingdom is either like it's the people who like you, you either cared about people, visited the imprisoned, did all these or you did not And then you you're separated. You're on the outside of that. So like when you're looking at like what Jesus is telling, trying to teach people how to do and a way to live and how you'll recognize people by that fruit and then and then you reduce it to that's like that the fruit only matters so in so far as you accept the principles that say jesus died on the cross to save you from your sins because god owed you like jack shit otherwise and then that it's just the sole recognition of that that is what right. saves you because that's what it comes down. I mean, that's how you get people saved. That's how you convert people. You convert people by getting them to accept Jesus Christ uh, in his work as salvific, as opposed to just, a, you know, a more universal like, universalist approach to Christianity would be like accepting that work as a founding principle, as would like, you know, first John would say Christ slain from the 
foundations of the world. It's like, except that concept has been through, has been true throughout all of human history. And that like, just understanding that the fruit that people are bearing are showing their connection to this God that we're all trying to find whichever name you would, whatever vocabulary words you would pick or whatever words you would choose based on the language you speak, uh, whether it be Allah, God, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't want to Right. So from, from, from the, this worldview, right. I'm pointing to myself, right. From the, Mm -hmm. from like the biblical worldview, you know, you, you don't want to minimize fruit as, as fruit. Like if we see somebody who, whoever they are, whatever, whatever religion there are, and they're doing good things, they're caring, right. They're caring for widows and orphans, right. They're feeding the hungry. Those are good things, but it's good because it's attached to the whole, right? We only know what good is because it's attached to something that's ultimately good, which is God, right? And so because the, they're doing those good things, we recognize them as good things. And, and, and you know, I, I would look at that and say that those are good things and they need to be celebrated. And but they're so close to also. <laughs> Well... <laughs> The people yeah, would be, though. I mean, that's, it's, like, it's really hard to stomach. Um, like moral sure, intuition it, about a good God is what tells me that that doesn't work. You know, like if, it, if we have these, if we understand what good is because of God, like our, and, our ever, and the moral intuition of tens of billions of people is saying, what good God would send people because they were born in another country in a place where they did. It's like there's just so many factors into what people believe and why they believe and how they think and, and the way that they live and breathe in this world and i'm like yeah to you know to to minimize i mean to me that's like if if you want to believe in a big all-powerful god to minimize that god to someone that'll just damn someone for an eternity simply because of he can't he's not good like he couldn't there's no control over where they were born um no access to christianity so wild to me that like we claim about what it means to know good and that we can recognize this fruit as good because of because it's you're you're saying it it's disseminated down from an all-powerful good god right but it's not so why does it seem so bad like why like we're use if we're using that moral intuition that god gave us to then say yeah yeah that doesn't that makes no philosophical sense no matter which way you strike it uh right Right. So that's 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 the problem. That's why I'm like the fruit really does. The fruit doesn't matter if they're damned in the end and nothing happens and God comes back and destroys this world and rebuilds his kingdom. Like the the amount of like it really I don't know. I don't want to say it's worthless, uh, but from that perspective, but uh, because that's speaking for you. But um, it feels it to me. It feels like just like a trite. Well, it's nice that you found something while you were here, but. In the grand scheme of eternity, like who even like what yeah. what is the fifty years you live here really matter? But why why couldn't that truth and I and I already know what you're gonna say to this, but why <laughs> why couldn't that why couldn't that truth be there for God or that, that goodness, right? When you see someone showing goodness to someone that is the least of these, doesn't deserve anything, whatever, why can't that be something that God uses to make people think deeper about who God is? And, right. And maybe, and it can be. 
Uh, I'm just right. I'm making the argument that you don't need to then recognize Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior who died on the sure. cross to save you from that God's wrath and judgment. Like right. I to Which make is that leap is what <laughs> does not, yeah that, to make that leap is what is like I, it doesn't it, it just doesn't compute anymore. Is I I got it yeah and, and yeah. One of the things that evangelical culture has done a horrific job at is trivializing the ridiculous seriousness of, of hell and of what it actually means. Um, and, and you know, I say it often like that. I, I am not okay with the concept of hell. I'm really not. And we really shouldn't be. There's a sense of us that shouldn't be like for any Christian to kind of look at the concept of hell and be like, Oh yeah. And, and then lay their head down at the pillow at night and think everything's okay. Like there's something wrong there. Like, if we're really talking about the eternal destination of billions of people that will end up in eternal torment for the, for eternity, that should bother us. It should. And we should never really be okay with that in the sense, but God is also somebody who's, who's not us, right? He's scripture says that all the time. I'm one of my favorite little passages about that. I think it's Psalm 90 where he says, your, your mistake was that you thought I was like you. <laughs> we're not, we try to, anthropomorphize God. We try to make him like us, but he's completely holy and apart from us. And so, you know, to trivialize that, you know, we've got to slow down and we've got to think like, whoa, like what does that really actually mean? And the Bible does actually say that there's a hell and it actually does say that it's eternal. And that should make us realize the reality of what we're called to as Christians to bring that hope because it's, it, people, the reality is people don't have to go there. They, if they, my puppy has just entered the office. Um, it, they don't, that's the reason that Jesus came and, and left heaven to, to go to the sin infested world and to be spat on and tortured and killed in order to say, look, you don't have to go there because I'm providing the answer, the solution. We're kind of coming full circle now that this is it's the answer. It's it's the answer to sin and suffering. And and that's that's the reason that that God we haven't spent a lot of time on God's love, right? But we should. That that that's the reason that God loved us that to provide that way. Like like we're the ones that offended God, right? We're we're the ones that rejected him i know i know icky hearing that that's to me that's so like i don't i I guess i didn't realize how triggered i am by stuff like that it's been a long time since (laughs) i've like a long time that was a physical see see your listeners don't get the the joy of seeing (laughs) what i what i saw that was like a he he dry heaved (laughs) could yeah if if i could and this is i i'm i'm not trying to be rude um but it's I, I feel like it's going to come off as that, you know, you've you've drawn several lines in the sand between your Christianity and evangelical culture. Right. That 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 we come from the 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 traditional Liberty University, et cetera, brand of like evangelical Christianity. But it, I think like there's there's very little about what we've talked about today where you know, you would, you would be out of line with most of the principles that those guys taught. What's different about 
your Christ, your Christianity and your interpretation of it than the rest of evangelical culture, you know, that we've, that we've discussed so far. Uh, that's a broad brush. Um, <laughs> it is. I, I think a lot of it, what I, what, what I get that shudder reaction that Sam had there, you know, <laughs> what, what makes me do that convulsion is again at the risk of painting like a broad with a broad brush and saying that this is not everybody right but what appears to be plaguing modern evangelical christianity is a shift in the focus of a me-centered christianity as opposed to a god-centered christianity and, and maybe some of the things in liberty and everything else would be uh biblically or doctrinally agreeing with what I just said, especially in the gospel and all that. But in the end, I think that we are producing Christians that have a misunderstanding that God exists to make them comfortable and happy. And that's not the reason God exists. And so I think that's, that's a difference between when you get back to historical Orthodox Christianity, right? That, that wasn't a thing. That wasn't a thing. God is separate from us and God is holy and we serve him. And that's the best possible thing for us. Right. He's not holding out on us. He's actually showing us the way to life in serving him and loving him. Right. That's but the Joel Osteen brand of Christianity. Right. The, the motivational speaker. Uh, I'm here to fix yeah. you sort of thing. Yeah. He's not even in the the arena of christianity as far as i'm concerned he's there is no there is none he has he, a he nice arena he certainly <laughs> does it's only open when the weather's nice and that's one thing that i think people are reacting to when we get into COVID and we had the 2020s that that some of us have had is you start to see that and it's just like you know this year is the year of your breakthrough it's like, no, no, it wasn't. Did you look at 2020? Like, you just can't sell that narrative anymore. It's not going to work. Like, people are seeing you for who you are. You're a charlatan. You're, you're, you're not a preacher of God's word. You're trying to sell stuff, and people see it now. So I hope that people stop giving him money. Or, and, and, guys <laughs> and give it like to Kenneth you instead. Cope, but, no. No. <laughs> No, no, no. no. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so God, God-centered rather than me centered. Yeah. But what, what is, what, I guess just, what does that mean in practicals? And like, what, what difference if I'm a person on the street and your church is on one side and there's a typical, you know, Thomas road Baptist church on the other side, uh -huh. like what's the difference between the two? Why would I, why should I go to yours rather than theirs? Because they're kind of the poster child for a lot of the icky things that we've talked about so far. Uh huh. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know them, so it's uh, I of course have heard of them. I actually did spend a year and a half at Liberty Seminary online um, before I was like, yeah, I don't think I want to be here anymore, and, and then jumped <laughs> out to uh, to Southern Baptist uh, Theological Seminary to finish up, but. I think the most honest answer, Casey, is I don't know. I don't know what would be the difference without seeing who they are, without, without. 
you know, I, I'm suspect of a lot of that. Like, I think we should be because, again, what is what is it? To go back to where we say, what is the fruit? Like, what do the Christians look like that are being produced out of there? And I'm not saying that Christians who go to Highlands Bible Church are perfect and mature and all of that. But I hope that they they get a view of God that that this life is our lives are supposed to be God centered as opposed to, to God existing for me. Right. And that's what you'll get from Osteen is that God exists to give you that promotion or bring you to the next level or get you richer or whatever, give you a nice spouse or whatever the heck it's supposed to be. And that's just not it. Maybe we all just like different fruit. I think that's the problem here. <laughs> Could be. I, I yeah. I, I think I, I feel like the clarity Casey's trying to get. So like the things that you know, I think some of the things that we've talked about are some of the, and we should probably you know be wrapping this up soon. But I want to close it out with um, maybe one more question uh, in the same line of what Casey's getting at is we've been. On top of what people are seeing uh, politically, uh, that has been a major turnoff as far as looking towards Christianity as being any sort of moral guiding force in this country, Um, at least in its loud, public, uh, Republican, co-opted brand. Um, Yep. It's, you know, when you're watching the behaviors of the people that they've been elevating and saying that these are like the right kinds of people we need to be leading. Like, we, it's the it's those behaviors that have been a particular disgust to a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. And it's been, I think, particularly painful because we know that they never would have tolerated that from any leaders that they would have, when we were kids, you know, uh, the, the battle cry against, against Clinton was character counts after having an effect so it's like we we understand sure. we, we, we we of course we've all watched all that, that's legit. that moral decline. Yeah, yeah yeah so and, yeah, but it's... that's only part of it you know and i think even i think even going back to you know the summation uh your summation of how you understand the gospel versus is, is what but like got, that 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 i gotta go push on that just a little bit because that's not how i understand the gospel right and I know you're going to roll your eyes and maybe even have your other reaction again, but I don't know how you can read. How can you read John three any other way? Like because it's, it's you, maybe you can read it one clear. way. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't really think anything in the Bible is crystal clear. But also, I'm not coming from the same perspective of you are that if even if you could pull one verse out and say that this verse is crystal clear, that that's that's indicative of what the entire book is saying uh, as a whole, like all the books of it are saying you know so like i i do think i think your you the way you summarized the gospel i'll continue to call it your understanding of it because that's a evangelical understanding of it that's a that's a evangel that i mean that's as evangelical as it gets especially when it comes to like the concept of atonement and what christ did like i mean you yeah. can look through christian history and find totally different theories of atonement and you can find christian universalism from the beginning of christianity like this isn't sure so what Doesn't you're saying, though. well, they put right <laughs> by, by who? And that's what I'm getting at is like, uh, we, we've, there's these, these have, these ideas have existed and persisted. Um, you know, you, if you want to get into the, the conversation about what the, like, 
about historic Christianity. I mean, if we want to really care about that, then we should all still be Catholic and we never should have separated ourselves from the Catholic church. We should have just fixed it. We should have like, but so like, when don't you, you dare when you're looking at like, <laughs> I, I think historic, I think r- respond like going back to and referencing historic Christianity or beliefs that have been held throughout Christian history as a reason to continue to uphold certain things and reject others that might've not been popular. It doesn't, isn't a great, a great argument to me. It's not holding a lot of water. So, you know, I think, I think there's plenty of other ways to read the Bible that will come out with different understandings of atonement. I mean, even your, your understanding that hell is this clear thing in the Bible, I would say it's, it's not clear at best. And even if it was, I mean, I'm in the particular advantage of being able to say that it's it's cool if they used to think that I don't have to Mm -hmm. like it. And, them believing it and writing it down or writing down a word that then got translated into it centuries later doesn't make it real or true. And it, you don't have to force that to line up with the character of your understanding of God, who's like the, the highest form of morality in order to, to make, to, 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 to have that gospel message. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Uh, but that's what a lot of people are reacting to and leaving as well. Like the, hearing that message, it's not, it's just like some really, it's just to uh, us, um, like some of the shittiest news we've ever received is that there's a God who loves us so much. He's happy to watch us burn in hell for all of eternity because we offended him somehow. Like, so like, I mean, I go through my life wildly unoffended by the behavior of others because, and I've, I'm not equating myself to the concept of the well, yeah, highest I mean, goodness, that's... but. I'm yeah, just I mean, saying, not, if God's better than me, but I just, if, yeah. if God's better than us, if God's more loving and more kind, like we keep extrapolating these things from God, but when we get, then we get to this idea that he could reject you into a eternal damnation. And then we throw our hands up and go, well, we just aren't like God. We don't know God, but we all, we all that's trying to be explained to us is what God's like. And then when we, when it comes to eternal damnation, it's like, well, God's holier and bigger and different than we are. We, that, that, that's, we can't know that. Um, and we can't understand that. And, and the, the assumption that we should be offended by the concept or be like bothered by the idea of people going to hell mo- more than we should be bothered by the idea that there can be a God that can simultaneously exist with something so horrific. That was definitely one of the first, the first things to go for me. And we can thank everybody's like favorite heretic Rob Bell for that one. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's, a. so I think that's, so when, I, when, when, when Casey's talking about what's different, it's like, maybe you didn't support Trump who, who, whose actions and words were problematic, maybe, but like, you know, the, the people who did came from, I mean, they're still coming from the, I would argue the same biblical worldview um, it, when they're in their understanding and interpretation of the Bible, they might make the stakes a little bit higher when it comes to trying to reproduce their version of a biblical worldview for the rest of the country mm-hmm. and sit and try to make people fit into that through legislation or presidential power or whatever. But um, you know, it's like, you to me you can dress like and I, I've really I you can dress up these ideas with with love and kindness but it's to me they just don't represent it which is why I think a lot of people have have been like I mean if that's 
if that's God, then I, I guess I don't think that that can be, and then it's not true. And then you have that group saying, well, that's the only God there can be, or that you may be taught that's the only understanding or concept of God that can be. So now you, people just shed it altogether. I, I've, I'm sure our definitions of what God is is very different too, but um, I'll still use the word yeah. to communicate something uh, bigger than myself. Yeah. No, you're probably right. And yeah, no, and I know, I know how you're, you're using that. So I think it's just commonality in that. But yeah, I mean, I think one of your other, one of your other guests, um, it was something that I was reacting to the other day. And it, it was somebody who was saying something, if this is the body of Christ, then I don't want to be a part of it. Or, you know, if this is Christianity, then, then I don't want to be a part of it. Or, or when did, I think she said, when did Christianity get to be about believing only one thing and nothing else or, or something like that? And it's like, I mean, again, I had one of those moments, too, where I shuddered, you know, just like you did. Be like, but just like, I, I don't know, since Jesus, like it just since he said it, like sometimes we pin it on evangelical culture that the church is making it about this. But but maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But again, it goes back to kind of what I said. If you read the Bible, like that's what it's saying in its clearest possible way. Like, again, I'll, I'll go back to John 3 as that passage. Like, how can you read John 3 and say that that's not exclusive? It's it's completely exclusive. But then what do we do with that? And how do we live in light of that? And who does that make God to be? Or how would you read it in light of something that's more inclusive uh, written elsewhere by a different uh, apostle or, you know, that's that. I think that's what I come back to. I'm, I, I, I think what yeah. I'll come back to is like, I'm not going to argue that you can't, uh, that you can't, can't read certain parts of the Bible as exclusive. I'm my, my belief is that when you look at it as a whole, you'll, you'll find a mixed bag and that like you would in a church, like you would like, so I, I think I'm just putting a little bit less on it being, it's it's people's experience of of God, but it's less yeah. a dictation of God's perfect truth, and more about yeah. our our struggle to find it. You know, so I'll, yeah. I want to ask you one more question before we go: Am I a Christian? Okay. Are wow? Are you a Christian? <laughs> based on what you th- based on what <laughs> based on what I've said, <laughs> and and what you think it means to be a Christian, and zero offense at all. I am. I am, you will not, I'm not worried about how other people define you, what vocabulary words people used to define a bolt, an entire belief system. So it, no feelings hurt, but I'm just curious, um, outside of the personal conversation and us getting to know each other a little bit and yeah. liking each other. If I was just a guy yeah. saying these things, am I a Christian? This sounds like a yeah. very me centered Christianity. Well, <laughs> 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 I, see, I see what you did there very nice um yeah gosh that's like a heavy question um i've always wanted to ask somebody that based upon you know when you say a christian right obviously someone who believes that jesus was the christ jesus was the messiah right and then all that goes along with it and and, and are you going to say that you would believe that he is the one that the Old Testament 
pointed to and fulfilled the prophecies and did what the Old Testament said he would do. And the one who lived a perfect life, the one who is God incarnate in the flesh here, as well as, you know, human, uh, would you believe that um, he died in our place for the atonement? Um, and would you believe that he resurrected again and is coming again? You know, that's that's historically orthodox, what a Christian would be. I don't know if we know each other well enough for me to say one way or the other. Um, if, I said, uh, if I said, no said something, if I said no to any that, one of the things you said, <laughs> go ahead. Sorry, I shouldn't have interrupted. No, that's, okay. that's where I was going anyway, because I think you have said no to some some of those really important things. And I think that there are things that are non-negotiable uh, in the gospel because they are so clear in scripture. And then there are things that are not so negotiable uh, or are more negotiable. Sorry. Like, you know, uh, things like, uh, did God create the world? Yes. How did he create the world? I don't know. You know, is it is it a couple days? Is it millions of years? Those are things that are negotiable. But when you talk about who Jesus is, I don't think that's so negotiable. And based upon some of the things you said, I, I, it doesn't seem you are. It doesn't seem you are as a, as the Bible would define a Christian. Right? Don't. And so I guess that's as clear as I could say. You know what, guys? It seems to me like we got conflict, conflicting meta narratives. That's what oh, I think. Meta narratives, word of the day. <laughs> you didn't realize it. Like we should have spelled it out at first, but. You know, this was really a conversation between you and I and and first Sam's soul. And <laughs> Casey I, wins. I feel like I'm winning. I don't know. <laughs> you heard it here first, everybody. I am not a Christian. I've been wrong. I've been wrong about myself, I guess. Like, I don't know. This no, was I, a really stressful way to spend your Saturday, Mike. <laughs> it is. It is. And maybe, Sam, I don't know where you are geographically, but maybe someday you and I could could meet up for a cold beer and we could continue this conversation about what a, what a Christian is and what that looks like. So I think that sounds like fun. I could do this stuff all day. I am actually in Massachusetts. Not too, too far, depending on where, if you're in northern New Jersey. It's not that bad of a trip. Me yeah. halfway for a couple of beers sometime. <laughs> there you go. I would like that. All right, everyone. Well, I think uh, that's a good place to wrap it up with me being called an apostate. Oh, God damn it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is a hard Mike, way thanks. to find out. <laughs> thanks for thanks for coming on, man. I, we I I know we peppered you with questions and stuff, and and uh, t- talked way too long. But you know, we appreciate you sharing your your thoughts with us. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I I really appreciate you guys having me on, but I also appreciate, I'm sure I've pissed off a lot of your viewers, but I, listeners, um, but you know, I really appreciate you guys having the opportunity to have the other side kind of on this because, you know, it's, it shows you guys are trying to do a balanced thing and I really respect that. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We will catch you next time.